I kind of don't know what a blood throne is. Obviously, it would be looking for skulls for the skull throne. Also, Zinch. <laughs> it would be my chaos god of choice. Honestly, big same. Live from the Mundangerous Rectory in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Yishin. And welcome to episode 296 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to use demons in your game. But first the party takes flight in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, Fire Walk With Me burns but is not consumed. In the character creation forge. Uh, Shane, I was just imagining, um, you know, old me from like 1987 hearing new me talk about using demons in your game. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's very satanic panic. In in 19, uh, 1987, you were like eight? I was eight. Did you understand uh, why that would be controversial? I I knew that demons were a bad thing and you shouldn't even joke about it. Oh. Yeah. But I, I hadn't well, seen like mazes and monsters yet. Or like the exorcism or like any of the things that people had fun talking about demons with, I guess. No, pretty much. I mean, I was also eight, so. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the on-ramp is for uh, for horror movies about demons. Well, you know, I hope there's some kids out there listening right now who understand that we're about to talk about some pretty evil stuff and it should all be emulated. Well, okay, that took a turn. Mm-hmm. Put it in put them in your game. Put them right in your game because that's what Dungeons and Dragons is about. Uh taking the antithesis of uh goodness and light and uh, acting it out, larping essentially. Uh and then fighting it and destroying it. Sure, yeah. Everyone, leaves the, everyone always leaves that did part we, out. I did forget that part in this episode. Yeah. Anyway, you've got some questions for us. Episode 300 is coming up, and we are providing answers. There is still time to get your questions into the mailbag at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com, or uh, I suppose we could take them on Twitter at TPTCast or uh, via Discord. We've gotten a couple. Um, So go ahead and get those questions in. Uh, It will be an all-mailbag, all-request episode, uh, as we normally do on the 50s and 100s, so... Uh, this is six years. <laughs> How many of you on the fifties and hundreds? <laughs> on the uh, what the what was MTV news on like the the twelves and forty twos or whatever? Are you thinking headline news? The the like? No, no, no. MTV news was always on like a like it always was like hit a commercial break like at a, at a specific time. Oh, was that was that like a Kurt Loder line? Yeah, Kurt Loder and uh, <laughs> Kennedy. Kennedy, yeah. Matt Pinfield. It will uh, also probably have a wacky character creation forge, as we do. Can't wait to find out what meme we do that time. Yep, that's going to be it. All right, but enough fun about episode 300. Let's talk about where we are in the Gates of Morning campaign. So the Gates of Morning campaign is our 5th edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in Flamekeep, the seat of the Church of the Silver Flame, the party is hunting down a rogue sect of House Jurasco. As punishment for their apparent involvement in a quarry plot, Jayla Darren has sentenced the party to immediate execution and has disintegrated their bodies 
as her horrified advisors look on. Yikes. But instead of starting a new campaign, and instead of feeling pain, the party feels themselves instead rise into the air and begin to float invisibly. Below them in the hall, the nobles are quiet, disconcerted by the finality of the execution that they just witnessed, or at least believe they witnessed. But Warden realizes this is actually divine magic disguised as a disintegration. Instead of killing them, the Keeper has given them a way to escape by transforming them into wind. So in this new ephemeral state, Warden prods the rest of the party and and gets them all to travel to an isolated part of the cathedral near Malik's chambers. And returning to corporeal form, he explains that they should be able to travel as a breeze for the next eight hours, enough time to fly directly to Fairhaven, their original destination. Jayla has also left the party one additional gift. Johera's corpse is with them. We keep lugging this thing around. Keep asking a question. Just keep poking the corpse. Hey, hey, we don't have real questions for you. Here's some trivia, I guess. Yeah, got any MTV news for us? <laughs> but first, they make a stop at Malik Othero's quarters. After a little experimentation, the quarry passcode they know gives them entry. On the psyche, no scars remain. Inside, they find nothing out of the ordinary except, of course, uh, for a pea-sized Sybaris shard hidden in a drawer. It is very much like the one that Elaine, the Mindseed, had embedded in his chest, and it resonates with Vesicada's aura when he touches it. Ah, the party, being the party, also grabs two fine fencing epées off the wall and several bottles of aged wine which will fetch a good price to help replenish our stock of diamonds. He's not using them anymore. Yeah, just some, you know, moderate theft. Taking wind form again, they fly directly out the window and high into the sky. After circling to get their bearings, they head west across the fields of Thrain and Ondaire, moving tirelessly in their new gaseous forms. Seven hours later, they alight on the edge of a copse of trees just outside Fairhaven the City of Lights, and capital of Ondaire. It is mid-evening, and the steady brightness of everlasting lanterns and continual flames lights the whole metropolis. Before entering the city, Warden communes with nature and discovers a prevalence of oak trees in the area. He also senses several powerful fae in the city and the influence of two plains, Thalanus, the realm of the Fae, and Dalcor, the region of dreams and the home of the quarry. One of those should be here. <laughs> what are those Fae doing here? No. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we are discussing using demons before they use you. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Or after, I mean, one or the other. Okay. Uh, we are continuing our series on using iconic monsters in your game, both as a GM and as a player. Uh, we talked about using devils in episodes, episode 234. Uh, in some games, demons are opposed to devils. They're immortal enemies. They're sworn to kill each other for eternity. Uh, but in other games, the two exhibit pretty similar characteristics. So there's a, there's a little bit of overlap. Yeah. What about um, demons in Beatazoo? 
Oh, which one of the Beatazoo and which one of the Tanarii? Nobody knows. Oh my god, we get we get points for knowing those words at least, huh? Huh? Well, I mean, I only knew one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so demons are inspired uh, by real world mythology and religion. They are tempters and corruptors. Sometimes the source of vileness, sometimes the result of vileness or hatred or sin. The the variation in demons comes from how people differ on what they consider base and evil. Demons are, you know, a metaphor, and so you get these wildly different incarnations. There's even non-evil demons, though they tend to be spirits or some other neutral term instead of demon anymore. Um, but so for our purposes, we'll be focused on, you know, your classic D&D, chaotic, destructive ones. You know, you could have a, a fey demon, for example, um, but I think mostly these days we'd sort of categorize them as like unseelie. And you talk about them when you're talking about fey because they share more characteristics with fey than they do your traditional demon. Right. Um, we'll, we'll also talk about like even if you're not playing D&D, if you're not playing a fantasy game, uh, demons can certainly show up think like a you know a buffy type game you can certainly play modern games where demons appear they range from anywhere from like the tiniest gremlins full of absent-minded malice all the way up to godlike rulers of the abyss so they can be used at any level of the power curve and at any point in your game they can be pustulant they can be corpulent they can be swollen with bloodlust demons are creatures of the id they are impulse given physical form they are representations of the basest instincts of humanity. The, the thing to remember about them is no, no matter how hideous or terrifying or powerful a demon you are confronting is, you can always see aspects of the players or the PCs or ourselves in them. Like they, they are human instincts cranked all the way up beyond madness. And that is what makes them so horrifying. All right, so let's start by defining our demons. A lot of different characterizations you can use in your game depending on the mythos that you're using. You've got your traditional fantasy, where demons are one kind of fiend who are opposed to devils, and they're caught in the perpetual blood war that keeps both kinds from taking over the entire multiverse. You know, that old canard. Yeah, they're the creatures of chaos and evil. They're born from the churning soup of creation and the infected with the wickedness of mortals. They're unleashed upon the world to tear it apart. They're the foils to free will and you know like even if you stopped right there they're a great enemy to use the unthinking murderous hordes of the abyss uh unleashed upon the unsuspecting material realm like that that's a great set piece scene that you can use for encounters you also have demons uh drawn from real world religions so in this instance they might have nearly unlimited power uh, there could be no real way to defeat them, except maybe under specific circumstances, given that maybe you have a particular um, holy item or you have the, the power of faith or you've conducted an exorcism perfectly. Yeah, they can also often be used interchangeably with devils uh, or subservient to the Judeo-Christian devil. Right, like the devil. There's a, there's a devil, one devil, and then a bunch of demons that serve the devil. They're just a different form of temptation, right? A little weaker or not quite as smooth or suave or or like in training, I guess, right? Screw tape letters I sort of think of. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about screw tape too. Screw tape screw tape's the devil though. Yeah, the devil, but it's like another a lesser devil talking to the devil and like getting advice, right? On like how to tempt mortals. Yeah. So I think well, in, in that instance, I, I, you might advice be like, is 
Advice is a strong word for what Screwtape is getting. It's more like he's getting thumb screws, <laughs> admonishing him for not having tempted those mortals. Um, but like in in like colloquial terminology, um, when someone talks about like a a demon, then you know that the, there'll be like a a demon lower on the hierarchy. Uh, you can also have the term demon applied to things like nature spirits, or they might have animal forms. Um, they're the non-human creatures of the world that exist in dark places uh, or, you know, just within the hearts of humanity. And they do ill for mm -hmm. whatever their reasons. And then, of course, there's always the pastiche. Um, you, you got the fantasy grab bag. Uh, all traditions and characterizations are, are up for grabs. And particularly in homebrew settings, who knows what a demon might be. But it's a, it is a word and a term that you can throw out and people pretty much know what they're getting into it's a bad time one thing demons tend to have in common is some type of primary essence right some some type of theme that they lean upon a demon of hate a demon of plague you've got a demon of the storm in here and i think that is such an inhuman factor that that doesn't qualify you shouldn't defend yourself <laughs> those will be like the nature type demons you know where it'll be the genre where you've got fox spirits and things like that. So there will be a, a demon that is like the, the unbridled essence of a storm. Less common in, in RPGs, but it's a thing you might run into. Uh, Oni maybe might have like uh, an elemental nature to them. Right. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, and I think this primary essence, like this, this nature, I hesitate to use nature because demons are so unnatural and we'll get to that in a little bit. But like this essence about the the demon, they have they have a theme, they have a thing that they do, and and this this is going to define so much about them, right? Its physiology is going to reflect its essence. If it is a, uh, I mean, let's just talk forty k, right? If it's a cornate demon, if it's a, a, a trying to find blood for the blood throne, it's probably huge and fights in melee combat and has big blood covered weapons and horns everywhere. I. Kind of don't know what a blood throne is. Obviously, it would be looking for skulls for the skull throne. Uh, I don't know that much about demons. I'm I'm pure soul. Also, also Zinch. <laughs> it would be my chaos <laughs> god of choice. Honestly, big same. I knew, I knew. Um, so a demon's attitude, its, its abilities uh, in-game, and the tactics that it uses are all going to filter down from that that kernel of humanity, uh, that, that bit of id that it's based on. So let's talk about world building with demons. So think about where your demons are fitting into your setting. Um, and this doesn't have to be homebrew, right? If, you're, if demons are going to feature largely in a, a game, even if you're playing Forgotten Realms or whatever, think about their history. You know, how have demons affected the history of your setting? Historically, in the real world, they get used in ex as an excuse for human human failings or atrocities. But, you know, what happens if demons actually are a real thing that, you know, can actually show up and, and cause chaos and ruin civilizations? It's probably still humans' faults. It's probably still our fault. I, I used the demon to cause the downfall of Rome. That's the... Oh, it's the demon's fault. That, that's it. You know, it's the bound demon. Right, it's like the the demon is the raw power that gets harnessed by by mortals. 
<laughs> right? And then they lose control of it, and then what happens? Now you got demons on your hands. And like, who's to blame? Right? Because like, demons are gonna demon, right? Like, if you let the demon get unbound, you know exactly what it's going to do. Sure, oh, it's a being of pure chaos and evil, but like, they're really predictable, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, you you've really got to raise a demon upright, and and you just be aware that if you leave the cage open, it's gonna eat you. Just like a Tiger King. So think about how is it that demons actively engage mortals and how often do they do it? I, I think about like, what is it that a mortal needs to do in order to attract the attention of a demon? And I think the thing that sort of separates them from devils is that demons end up inflicted on the unlucky, whereas devils end up being drawn to the deserving. You know, like you need to like try to get the attention of a devil because you want to make a, a deal or like you you're conniving and want something. But you could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and demons show up because like, you know, the sorcerer on the hill did a bad thing. Conversely, like you summon demons, right? But you might not necessarily be able to control them. Whereas if you summon a devil, you usually don't need to control them. You're usually like dependent on the devil wanting something from you in return. The The, the demon is the thing that like punishes hubris. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like what does a demon want? Right? Like it, it isn't so much that the demon wants I mean it wants to kill you, sure, but but it's not like it needs to kill you. It kills because that is its nature. All it is is killing. It's because your soul is so tasty. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Souls are delicious. I I didn't make souls delicious. I, it's not my fault. Demons are hungry and devils just want to do commerce. They just want souls to trade. See, demons are a metaphor for fossil fuels, uh, and devils are a metaphor for the financial industry. I thought it was devils are uh, a metaphor for capitalism, and demons are a metaphor for consumerism. So all, it's all it's just capitalism. It's capitalism all the way down. Well, I mean, you could be a cons you could you could have consumerism in other forms of economic exchange. The blood war is just wage slavery. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you knew that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, not I even know. News. Keep, keep them fighting so they don't take over the world. Sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so think about how common are demons in your setting? Do they show up in numbers? Usually in most games, they show up in numbers. Um, but, you know, you can have temptation or possession stories that will focus on a single demon. Like Shane, you mentioned earlier, the exorcist. Some people would say that was the devil that possessed the little girl. Some might just say it's a demon that possessed the little girl. In any case, there was only one. Yeah. <laughs> Solo possession. Uh, fantasy stories tend to feature hordes of demons because like those are just more fun. Yeah. Well, you know, you want to you want to have uh, something for everybody in the party to deal with. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you get into settings where demons are gigantic threats. Right. And then you might only have one demon, but it takes everybody to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, then it's pretty easy to figure out what everyone's role is, which is like everyone shoot yeah, right. or it's some it's some sort of like skill challenge exorcism. And then, you know, everyone has their prescribed role. Right. So when you're using a demon as an NPC, some things to consider. Remember that they are immortal. They have no human timescale on which to accomplish their goals. But at the same time, they don't really need it because their goals are super simple. Right. It's like foul all the natural places or kill as many things as I possibly can. Um, I corrupt souls. I'm a corruption demon, so I'm going to corrupt a soul. And then what I'm going to do next? Go find another soul and corrupt it again and again and again, over and over again. 
there's like there's no real like long-term game plan they're not building to any point zinch demon says what what <laughs> but yeah no i think that's definitely the hallmark of the demon is that like they're they're going to do this many many times right like they're on a uh a comically large time scale it's it's a form of wisdom right even if they're locked into their <laughs> behavior they have a, a a sense of perspective that is still inhuman and i think that's maybe something that we miss sometimes in the characterization of demons in games and i think especially like traditional fantasy demons are experts in their field if this is a corruption demon it has done this nigh infinite times as long as hum humans have existed because obviously it exists here and it hasn't been you know destroyed by some sort of ritual or whatever so like it knows exactly what it's doing if this is a demon that's going to try to kill you by ripping you limb from limb it knows exactly how to do that and the best way to do that you're nothing new yeah your plague and pestilence demon knows exactly which rats to give bubonic plague right? yeah. like there's there's zero chance that this this plague doesn't take off right i was here before you evolved <laughs> so they're not plotters or planners and that means that you can sort of insert them whenever you want and then you don't need to backfill a lot of information like you would with a devil who's supposed to be like on top of everything and everything's going according to plan you know think about like when is it when is the party going to meet the demon do they know they're meeting the demon probably in this instance the demons are not usually shapeshifters until you get to like succubi and incubi yeah, but of course you could always like y there could be a a intermediary for for a demon, right? So that the like the meeting is kind of you know, you're meeting a human cultist, right, who is channeling the demon or you are like conducting like some type of séance or ritual that's giving you exposure to the demon but not allowing you in theory to be threatened by the demon in right theory. so you can be exposed to the demon before you actually meet them so that you don't have to kind of have demonic dialogue <laughs> before <laughs> demonic fight when it's obvious <laughs> that when the demon shows up you're fighting <laughs> yeah we might not be fighting right now because there's a magic circle right here but it's not gonna last forever but you know what is me right <laughs> <laughs> just just let down your geller field let's talk <laughs> i just i just want to talk what are you afraid of you know what you know what it's fine it's fine um i'll have a chat with your kids you don't have kids yet yeah i know <laughs> think about what it's like what, what does it feel like to be in a demon's presence and, and sure yes it, it's scary depending on like how tall it is or big it is or how like how large its claws are and like what it's threatening to do your to your entrails right but tie in its primary essence. Um, a, a demon of hate is is going to have like unbridled f fury at being contained. Uh, a demon of lust is probably going to be some sort of shape changer or maybe look different to everyone uh, who, who is gazing upon it. Remember that they are manifestations of familiar feelings, familiar things. Like anytime you confront a demon, there is a, there is a, piece of something of it in whoever is looking at it but it is cranked all the way up to just unnatural proportions because this is the only thing the demon does it's the only thing it cares about it's not held back by anything right all right so let's talk about some ways to use demons uh first 
first one is what I might call like anathema. You use them to oppose important things in your game. So demons are unnatural creatures. The world is revulsed by them. It shrinks from them, right? Even nature demons are usually like a corruption of nature in some form. They exist to destroy and to bring ruin. And they do this in a bunch of different ways. Uh, the first most obvious way is destruction. They smash things. They kill things. They rip them apart. They use their teeth and claws and terrible tails and weird tentacles and all, all that kind of thing. They're simple, brutish, efficient killing machines. And they're extremely effective if you just use them that way. Yeah, no one, no one needs to know why the demon is ripping things limb from limb. Just that it's ripping things limb from limb. Yeah, oh my god, what's going on here? Barl Gura. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Garistro charge. <laughs> surprise, surprise. There's also, you know, demons of decay, right? They're speeding the natural process of entropy. They're kind of cranking entropy to 11. Uh, things fall apart. So this creates premature aging or rot or like miasma of death, right? Uh, they reflect the infirmity of body or the infirmity of the mind or the the weakening and infirmity of the soul even. Yeah, I like how, you know, since demons can be really, really niche, you can have a, a demon that is like corroding somebody's mind or, or intelligence or grasp on reality, but like not touching their body. They look fine on the outside, you know, or, or that, that slow gnawing at the soul uh, while leaving all the other faculties intact, which, you know, makes them certainly a much better puppet. Uh, and that kind of leads us into demons of corruption. There's a twisting of that which should be good. So you have the paladin who is led astray by their zeal or their lust. Um, demons love to possess children because children are supposed to be pure. And now you have this innocent thing that is a conduit of evil. And then you have demons of just straight up death, right? This is the, this is the antithesis of life. Um, they are here to kill. And that doesn't necessarily mean destroy, right? Uh, death can come peacefully and quietly as well. So the other thing that demons uh, are known for, uh, we've talked about a little bit, is possession. They take that which does not belong to them, often your body. So you need to ask yourself, can this happen to unwilling people or undeserving people? From like a theological perspective, some faith traditions say that you need to like invite an evil spirit in, but some say you just need to like accidentally leave the door open and and they can hop in. Like Rosemary's baby. Probably. I don't I don't actually know Rosemary's baby. I yeah. I've never Okay. This is I think it's Rosemary's baby's fault for not taking proper precautions. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so what does an exorcism or an expulsion of a spirit look like? You have some games that actually have rules around uh, going through them, but also they can just show up in a backstory um, or it can be an event that the party is just witness to. And from there, it can, it can just sort of be like a very evocative ceremony. Yeah, there's often also rules around what the control looks like right how often they can take control um whether or not the uh the victim can like wrestle it back from the demon right like rarely is possession 100% possession by the demon um at least initially often it ends up that way <laughs> it's not like traditional D&D &D dominate 
they may not even be aware that they're possessed. They may just sort of like lose time. Uh, I think whatever possession looks like in the game you're playing or the rules that you're using, the demon's goal is to cause as much suffering as possible. Now, that can mean, you know, inflicting grievous bodily harm on, you know, a person that they're in control of, but probably like the way that they can cause the most harm is to attack loved ones or like screw up a person's life before then killing a person. And then the other demonic archetype is temptation. Um, so similar to possession, you're trying to make a person act out of character, but this one is usually like making them choose to act out of character rather than forcing them to act out of character and then deal with the consequence. Yeah, and, and they're sort of like, again, very id-based, right? Like, so if you think about a traditional quote-unquote devil's bargain, that is like, give me your soul and I will give you power or a magic fiddle or riches or or whatever, right? But a demon is really more like, more going to be like, um, oh, you want, you want the money? Well, go kill them and take the money, right? What's, why not do that? You deserve it. They're right there. You right. can definitely kill them. Take the money and like, then go spend the money. What's the problem? Right. If you want to seduce me, just seduce me. Come on. Uh, There's like a pressure to indulge in vices, but like, you know, above and beyond normal vices. So let's talk about how we use demons in combat. For some demons, uh, this is just never going to come up. Um, if you think about like, a, you know, the exorcist, there's there's no way to like stab the demon out of the little girl, right? Um, and if a demon is strong enough, the PCs are just going to straight up lose in a direct confrontation unless there's some kind of uh, MacGuffin in the game or, or in the mechanics or whatever. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, this is 40K, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> even if you're, you know, a demon hunter, like, you're not really confronting demons. You're you're confronting um, the, the like, minor warp spawn, right? The, the little, like... Uh, the the little like leave behinds the little scraps that of of demonic existence that kind of coalesce and cause problems after the fact. Yeah, like if you're confronting like a demon, you need like a ship, uh, <laughs> and like if you're trying to handle a major arcana, that's a plot point. Right. But uh, hordes of low level demons can be dispatched relatively easily. Um, they are though hardier than comparable enemies. Think about like in D anD. d these days, demons are resistant to several elements. They're immune to poison. Higher-level demons are often resistant to damage from non-magical weapons. One of their strengths, though, in combat is they don't care about self-preservation and they don't care about their allies. Demons fight with abandon uh, based on their essence. You know, a, a lust demon will fight differently than uh, a hate demon, but neither one actually cares about, like, existing in an hour. Uh, it just doesn't seem to occur to them that they might not. But also at the same time, they're so driven by whatever passion it is that is driving them to this combat in the first place that right. nothing will stop them. So this creates some of their weaknesses, right? Uh, they're chaotic and impulsive. Like they, you know, when they don't fight with, with a, an eye towards self-preservation, like that makes them dangerous, but it also makes them relatively easy to predict and easy to trap. Yeah, they're going to run into the spears. Right. They can probably handle running into the spears, but we, you know, we made them out of blessed iron. So hopefully that'll do something. 
Right. If you need them to go somewhere, all you have to do is put that somewhere between you and them and they'll walk <laughs> over it, you know? Like it's it's they they don't care about the trap. Um and if you're dealing with demons that can't be taken out just by like reducing their number of hit points to zero you know if there needs to be some sort of uh trick to overcoming them uh, again think about like you know buffy demons what is their one weakness what is the spell that needs to be said um you know what is the material that needs to that the the knife needs to be forged out of when you when you could uh, conduct the ritual those are usually going to be found within clues tied to the essence itself a lot of times their tactics are going to be tied to the essence uh of, of their being right so we've talked a lot about like your blood letters your uh rage or bloodlust demons right they're gonna charge in and they're gonna bite and claw and you know scrap and uh try to cause as much havoc and destruction as possible yeah the aforementioned lust demon is probably gonna like use thralls uh you know people who are beholden to it or will attempt to um enthrall people on the other side but you know when it gets down to it it also is going to you know slash with like tooth and claw they'll fight in numbers when they can certainly certainly enough demons have ways of summoning more demons yeah i know right <laughs> they should absolutely <laughs> fight in numbers um and remember they're anathema they they despise natural things they don't like people uh, even though they can sometimes act like they do. So one of the, the one of their goals, the short-term goals in a combat is going to be to destroy what their opponents care about, whether it's comrades or magic items or, uh, you know, other sort of long-term goals. Like if they can find out something that you are pursuing or that you care about, that is what their target will be. Oftentimes demons will attempt to turn anyone who can be tempted right so if you can uh especially you know a, an npc is a great target for this but if you can target somebody close to the party uh and turn them to the the demon side that's the 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 double pain of one more thing to fight and then also something you care about use their immunities and their resistances to your advantage um if they level the entire place with with poison it doesn't matter to them at all, and other creatures are, are probably going to be hurt by this. Um, a, a plague or a filth demon is going to liberally spread the place with, you know, horrible viruses. They are also likely to geek the mage, or I guess depending on your uh, <laughs> cosmology, right. um, you know, might be geeking the yeah, priest, yeah. right? But it, it's really, it's about making sure that you're not going to get banished right so whoever it is whatever it is in, in your setting that um like has the advantage in dealing with demons either through magic or faith or whatever um that's who they're going to target right because demons want two things to destroy as much as possible and to stay in the in in our world <laughs> as long as possible right to to do that destruction yeah, and I think when when we think of demons as destruction focused, we often play them or think of them as stupid. Um, yes, they're instinctual and instinctive combatants, but it doesn't mean that they don't understand what's going on. You know, if there's a a basin of holy water and they know that that will burn them, then 
they'll try to destroy it. And if they can't touch it, then they'll throw big chunks of rocks at it, you know? Certainly anybody who's trying to conduct a binding ritual is going to be target number one, two, three, and four <laughs> for a demon, right? <laughs> They're, in fact, the most delicious. Uh, and then take advantage of the the fact that they they don't really care about preserving themselves. Like, they, they want to exist long enough to cause as much damage as possible. But if it really comes down to it, deal as much damage, inflict as much damage as you can as a demon. And if you're killed, so be it. Others are going to finish the job. There, there are plenty more of you where you came from. Also, you're immortal and respawning in the, you know, blood pools of the lower the lower plane is eh, it's not great but there's worse things yeah i've been through that before you gotta go back to demon school and write some letters to screw tape again okay it's a pain <laughs> but you do what you gotta do uh, and of course remember best tactics for a mem for a memorable fight uh might be different from the best tactics for the demon itself in a particular scenario so think about what is the purpose of this battle from the demon's perspective and what what tactics does it take to accomplish those goals? And then think about what is the purpose of this battle from the game perspective and from the perspective of the fun of players at the table and, uh, you know, elevate the latter over the former. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look for the overlap. All right, so for PCs... Uh, if you want to incorporate a little bit of, you know, demons, uh, demonology into your character, um, you could have a PC who is possessed, currently possessed by a demon, even if there are no mechanics for it. This, that's what you say. I am possessed. In fact, my personality is the demon. I love that explanation for Warforge. <laughs> like, oh, I'm a demon host. Oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Otherworldly. It's terrible. Terrible, tragic, and evil. And that's why I don't care about you. But I don't have to sleep. <laughs> pretty nice the demon's always awake immune to disease so, it's, one those, it's one of those sleep demons that sits on you uh, it can also just be in your backstory you at one point were possessed or you know someone who was possessed and that's why you got into the demon killing business pcs might also come from or interact with magical tr traditions that involve bargaining with or summoning demons uh that's how spell casting happens in uh deadlands for example yeah Right, mm -hmm. you play you play poker with a demon, and if you win, then you get to do the spell. And if you don't, well, you get to do a different yeah. spell. <laughs> Dealer's choice. <laughs> uh, and remember, you can just reflavor for in most games. However, you're doing these abilities as a bargain with a demon, or a summoning, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And of course. If you've got a game with demons in it, you probably have a game with demon slayers or fiend slayers uh, in it. People who are extremely motivated to go out and kill them. And that is a perfectly reasonable and excellent backstory for any character. In terms of magic and magic items, classically, magic is the only way to fight demons. Uh, not least of which because they tend to have complete immunity from non-magical weapons but often you need a like a magic macguffin in order to uh directly interact with or harm a demon yeah especially the idea of killing a demon permanently right like almost always requires some type of macguffin yeah like you might be dealing with something that has no physical form so you know big metal sticks aren't going to do much right 
in the fiction of your game, demons are probably bound by arcane or religious rules. And, you know, those might actually kind of be the same thing. Um, but there, there are restrictions on what they can or can't do, where they can or can't go. Um, and, and I think devils are usually portrayed as trying to figure out a, a loophole in order to get around these restrictions, whereas demons are just sort of like bound by it. They, they tend to just be like, yep, that's right. Can't cross running water. That sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like devils are looking for all the like accidentally unlocked doors yeah. <laughs> and demons are just running headfirst into the wall and either it's going to fall over or they are. Right. The devil's like, oh, is this a footbridge I see? Hmm. And and demons are like, uh, yeah. I mean, if 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 he's on the other side of the bridge, he's safe. I can't throw my pumpkin head at him. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's fine. I'll... If I can't make the jump, he's yeah, safe. I mean, I'll get him tomorrow. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but like, why would I want to cross the bridge? Running water is gross. And you can incorporate um, items, even if you don't have like demons specifically or you know if you will later you can incorporate items that are tied to them or hand them out to uh players who are interested in this kind of stuff you know you can have items that kill so fiend slaying gear um or stuff that'll help you kill like uh stuff that'll give you resistance or immunity to fire or poison uh, tactics that demons are likely to levy against them there are also items that emulate demons so demon hide and i think uh sort of a, a tropey item that pops up in a lot of places because you know it's a, a pretty useful storytelling element is like a demon a demon mask it's like a, a mask you might wear in, in the theater right and it's like a you know it's got horns like a like a demon and when you put it on your face you like gain some of its essence or power or you're able to use one of its abilities or you can enter the spirit realm or something like that i mean is this just the plot of the spider-man video game now i hope so I've been, never played the Spider-Man video game. Does he wear... Literally, yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh, the villain. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then items that control demons. Sometimes these are holy items. Um, think about... Uh, they're, they're, or unholy items. Well, yes, both. <laughs> um, but there are like stories of um, Solomon, King Solomon, right? Controlling jinn, ifri, and demons um, through like holy power. And then, of course, yes, there are plenty of unholy ways to control demons, at least for a little while. Right. <laughs> this is your Necronomicons. This is your, uh, you know, your Necrotouche. Demons, I feel like, often get short shrift as the crazy, lazy, easy-to-use little sibling of devils. And I think they're a lot more nuanced and can be a lot more scary than they often end up getting used i think they get played for laughs a lot of the time and part of that is sort of like the buff the buffification of demons the the like charmed ones mm -hmm. view of demons but because they are so much like us in a lot of ways because they are our ids magnified and amplified they can be extraordinarily relatable and if you just make them goal oriented and smart or maybe to your point shane wise in their niche then they can be extremely effective opponents yeah i mean that's that's one of the things that i love about how the like warhammer and warhammer 40k handle demons right is they aren't they aren't to be trifled with right but they also like there's always a way that like these 
grand supernatural powers can kind of be whittled down to the point where, you know, a, a protagonist could actually deal with them and interact with them, right? I mean, certainly they're kind of more... 40k demons especially tend to be a little more like devilish than pure demonish but like they're demons right yeah, like when yeah. they get loose mm-hmm. when they get loose outside of the warp like they're they're demons they're 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 gonna cause a swath of destruction right like oh they're, they're not bargaining for souls they're eating souls right exactly even, even zinch demons exactly <laughs> i mean sometimes the meal is just too good to pass up you know tasty psychers all right. Do you hear that, Ishan? It's wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's, uh, it's a good time. It's a good feast. That means it's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge. Uh, before we do that, we'll talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. All right, so this week we're building Fire Walk With Me. This is a build and a name that I've been wanting to use for a long time, but I didn't really feel like I had the proper tools until now. <laughs> okay. Did you uh did you also have to read Wikipedia for this one or I watched the first two seasons like the original seasons of Twin Peaks and then I watched this movie I have not watched the reboot yet I'm sure I will get to it at some point uh but yes this is the title of the Twin Peaks movie does it have a ton to do with this build uh you get the fine familiar spell and the owls are not what they seem so like I'll 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 take that but this is mainly about uh, throwing around a lot of fire damage, protecting your allies from it, and then eventually the hard thing is also protecting yourself from it so everyone in the party can just hang out like dancing in the flames together. Okay. <laughs> Great. And, you know, ideally, hopefully everyone else is is dying all around you. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy we don't have two Wikipedia plot-driven uh, builds in a row after the Urban Cowboy last week. Look, look, it isn't based on a like an early 2000s uh, theme album. That's also true. And it's not a Looney Tunes pun. So I think we can only go up. All right. What's the build? It is Evoker Wizard 2, Dragon Sorcerer 16, Paladin 2. So here's what we were waiting for. For race, you're going to take Red Chromatic Dragonborn from Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. Uh, Shane, we kind of crapped all over the dragonborn <laughs> in that book because mm-hmm. like they're not great but the chromatic dragonborn have this nifty ability um once you, you get to level five where as an action you can give yourself immunity to an elemental damage type for an entire minute um red of course gets fire and that's the theme here so now we have a, now we have a way pretty early on in the game to get immune to fire, where previously you you had to get to level seventeen or you had to get like a high level spell. Right. So you kick it off with two two levels of wizard. Um, you know you get shield, which is good because this is ultimately a melee build. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get ritual casting, and eventually you know you have a spell book, so you can get all of the first level rituals. But we're actually here for sculpt spells. So any evocation spell doesn't matter what class is from any evocation spell you cast 
you can choose uh, a number of creatures other than yourself equal to one plus the spell level and they automatically succeed on all saving throws against that spell and take no damage on a success so like they automatically get a successful evasion uh they, they basically ignore the spell the spell doesn't affect them whatsoever for as long as the spell lasts concentration spells as well and since we have first level spell casting we'll be looking for evocation spells like thunder wave and burning hand you got you know you got all the other level one wizard spells as well but those you can toss around willy-nilly and not worry about hurting anybody right then we take six levels of sorcerer uh we're gonna go dragon sorcerer okay we are a red dragonborn so it thematically it seems like you should pick red dragon is your draconic ancestry but there's nothing in the rules that says you have to so you can go brass gold or red if you want to stick to the fire theme okay here's the thing you should probably stick to the fire theme because eventually you can add your charisma bonus to fire spells but if you wanted to increase your options for resistances you could you could pick something else and it would be fine mm -hmm. it also gives <laughs> okay. you a little more hp um per level uh and then you'll get meta magic. The, the ones that you need to take are Quicken. Uh, Transmuted is probably a good option. Uh, this is a new one from Tasha's where you can spend one sorcery point and change the elemental damage type of any spell. So if you're dealing with something that's immune to fire, you can change that. But you can also take any of your other spells, turn them into fire, and then get your charisma bonus. Right. Uh, and then Careful Spell is also an option here. It's not as good as the Evoker second level ability that you already have. But you can spend a sorcery point and ignore um well no creatures with uh creatures up to your charisma modifier a number of creatures equal to your charisma modifier can uh, automatically automatically succeed on the save of uh, any spell that you cast so it's not just limited to evocation spells but they will take half damage so it's probably not great for evocation spells it's just handy if you want to throw out a hypnotic pattern or something like that uh you'll also get magical guidance which lets you spend a sorcery point to reroll uh an ability check and then as you've mentioned at level six here we add our charisma bonus to the damage of fire spells and at these levels you're going to be throwing around things like agonizar scorcher a shatter is good at this level but always hard to target and then you really come into your own once you've got fireball uh, lightning bolt uh, is also you know good as well for tight spaces but fireball now means that you can once per day as an action gain immunity to fire and then quicken a fireball and drop it anywhere that you want and four other creatures are going to be completely unaffected by it as are you which basically means right. you can do this anywhere that you want and the whole party's safe uh, from there, we'll take two levels of Paladin, get ourselves some medium armor, shields, martial weapons, and then, of course, smite. Turn uh, our... Uh, of uh, course we are. Of course. Uh, yeah, our unused spell slots into lots of damage. Yeah, because to get the most use out of being able to throw a fireball wherever you want, you kind of want to be in the middle of things. So you may as well be up close and personal. You may as well have decent armor and AC. Um, and... You know, if you can only do the the immunity to fire thing at this point once per day. So like the the rest of the time, you know, you've got resistance already because you're a chromatic dragonborn. So you can always just like take the hit uh, or just channel it, channel it into a smite. 
Plus, it reacts really well with Quicken spell because you can smite and Quicken. Right. Uh, and then we'll finish off Sorcerer to 16. Um, at level 14, you'll get Wings, which will which are fine, but they'll come in handy a little bit later. We'll see. You get spells like Vitriolic Sphere or Cone of Cold, where now you have a lot more options because you can turn them into fire. And they'll they'll do some more damage, and you can place them anywhere that you want. Wall of Fire is really nice here because you can snake it through any enemies, but also you don't need to worry about where you place it or like if the battlefield is going to change. Your allies completely ignore it as if it wasn't even there the entire time. They can run around willy-nilly on the battlefield wherever they want to go, and the enemies have to dodge around it. Or you just create it like a ring. Like use the use the circle, face it inward, and now everyone's all the enemies are getting fried and none of your allies are. Right. You gain even more options once you get six level spells because you can do things like globe of invulnerability, uh, which means that you ignore all spells of fifth level or lower, even if those spells are upcast, which means you can cast a sixth level fireball drop it right at your own feet and it doesn't affect you whatsoever so now even when you don't have your once per day minute of immunity even when you're not casting a fire spell you can upcast those lower level spells and just waste everything and not be touched you can also do the same thing with investiture of flame which gives you immunity to fire and then we'll also get such stalwarts as delayed bl delayed blast fireball to really stack some extra fire <laughs> damage uh and then another evocation that is nice to have the ability to dodge, Earthquake. Yeah, one fun thing here, like, so, so you're not immune to the Earthquake, but you have wings. So you just hover above the ground, the Earthquake doesn't affect you, and your allies always succeed on all of the saving throws. So they don't take any damage, and then every time those, like, massive fissures open up in the ground, they automatically save and are, are just, like, gently carried <laughs> along the fissure to safety. <laughs> for for right. as long as the spell lasts um and then it, sort of like a your capstone here is delayed blast fireball you, you do end up getting higher level spells but remember the the bead lasts for up to a minute of concentration so in your hand you can conjure the bead of a delayed blast fireball right in your own hand and just stand there as an intimidation tactic in a room with the rest of the party knowing that no matter what happens when this thing goes off whether it's because you decided to close your hand and set it off because you decided to stop concentrating uh or or because someone tried to grab it away from you when it goes off for whatever 14 d6 damage none of you are going to be harmed whatsoever that is the only way to be free of the grenade cascade <laughs> all right before we wrap up let's take a moment and thank our patreon supporters your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. And supporters of any level get access to our Plot Hook of the Week bonus content. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about old players and new tricks. And in the Character Creation Forge, we're building the old dog. Well, that's it for episode 296 of Total Party Thrill. I hope you lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Yushin. Thanks for listening.